Welcome to Under 30, the podcast series by the Youth Partnership that brings the research results, explores trends in young people's lives and themes relevant for youth policy and practice. In our podcast, we have discussed many times the impact of COVID-19 and all restrictions related to the pandemic on the lives of young people. Some time ago, we also had an episode on the Knowledge Hub, COVID-19 impact on the youth sector, that was developed by the Youth Partnership. The Hub has been there for a year now, and since it was officially launched in October 2020 at the Youth Knowledge Forum, it has been filled with new information, research, papers and other relevant materials. In this episode, we take a closer look at how the Hub functions nowadays, what are the findings from the questionnaires and briefings, and what are the key priority teams. We will look also at the future of the Hub. Our guests today, Irina Lonian and James O'Donovan, the researchers involved in the development of briefings and surveys, will provide us with some insights into what's new on the Hub. My name is Dariusz Grzemny and I'm co-hosting this episode with Lana Pasic from the EU Council of European Partnership. So let's start. Welcome to the next episode of our Under 30 podcast. Uh, today we are talking about something that's not new because it has existed already for a year, but it's changing, it's developing. I'm talking about the Knowledge Hub on COVID-19 impact on the youth sector that was actually created a year ago. There is a lot of things available there. There is a lot of research. There is a lot of possibilities to also interact and provide data and so on. Let's have a look a little bit on, on how it functioned in the last year. But Lana, at the beginning, can you recall actually the objectives of this and why it was created and with what intention? And in your opinion, was this intention valid and was it fulfilled? So we started working on the hub in spring of last year with the onset of the pandemic, realizing that there was really a need to gather the resources, data and information about the impact of COVID-19 on young people and the impact on the youth sector at large, but also to look at what were some of the responses coming both from the sector, from young people, from youth organizations, and also the responses from the policymakers. So the hub was created really to host uh, different types of data, information, knowledge, resources about the impact of COVID-19, as well as uh, to provide analysis of the results of different uh, findings uh, from studies, from questionnaires, from surveys, but not only done by the partnership, but also done by those outside of, of our networks. Besides for that, it also houses the information about what is happening at the national level. We have gathered this information through surveys to our networks of ACIP and FAIR, but also through desk review. So trying to look at what is happening in each country, what are the impacts and what are the responses at national level across the Council of Europe member states. Thank you, Nana, for reminding us 
what was there and what was the objective of the hub. And it functions. There is a lot of material being put there, uh, a lot of research papers to read. Irina, you have been, or you are one of the authors of the fourth briefing on what's actually happening when it comes to research on and the impact of COVID-19 on youth sector, on, on youth work and youth organizations. If uh, you can share with us a little bit, what are the key findings? What are the themes? What is this impact actually? What is the research saying about? Well, the Knowledge Hub came to bring together information that already existed in a, a large amount of research and papers and reports starting at the beginning of last year when the COVID-19 outbreak appeared. But also we take into account where we didn't know things that we would like to know. And the main findings of our analysis or meta-analysis of what it's already uh, put online in terms of research is that First, we have a lot of information on the fact that COVID-19 impacted the youth sector a lot at the beginning. Youth work was designed to be mainly face-to-face, -face, very much in Europe, in international settings based on mobilities, very much based on the personal relationship between the youth worker and the young people that happened in youth centers or in places where people actually met face-to-face. This was a very important part of youth work. And because of COVID-19, all this important part of youth work disappeared for a while. And then it needed to be reinvented because of uh, a lot of restrictions, uh, physical distancing rules and so on. So this is the first thing that from the point of view of how youth workers and the youth sector approach youth, young people, we needed uh, a change of methodology and we needed to use something that existed but was a lot less developed until last year, that it's online youth work and digital youth work. The second thing is that we noticed that at least in 2020, but things seem to be continued in 2021, the youth sector was not considered an essential sector of services for uh, people affected by COVID-19. And this meant that many youth organizations, youth centers, institutions working with young people suffered a lot in terms of loss of resource and they didn't have the support they needed to continue their work and to learn new methods to engage with young people in the new settings with physical distancing and so on. The third thing is that these are let's say bad news. Uh, the good news is that we also saw that uh, young people and youth workers mobilized to organize young people to support the response to COVID-19. And I would say that we want to focus a bit more on this response to COVID-19 and how young people participated and new ideas to engage with young people in the next publication that we prepare for the Knowledge Hub. So we will we try to pass from providing information on the impact of COVID on the youth sector to new ideas on how the youth sector is developing in response to this impact. Thank you, Irina. It's good that there is not only bad news uh, because the bad news we probably all know because we had a couple of podcasts or a couple of episodes before on the impact of COVID-19 on the youth sector. 
But there is also good news. There's one point that struck me a bit, a lot actually, because it appears everywhere, also in the research regarding formal education, is this disappearance of young people, this uh, losing touch, losing contact or losing young people actually on the way, which happened in formal education while it was online. And also it happened in youth work online, like losing contact with people, especially coming from the underprivileged groups and also young people with fewer opportunities, which is a very bad sign. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the gaps because we have been talking a lot in this podcast about the lack of evidence, the lack of research, the lack of data. I mean, definitely a lot has been done in the past year, but there is still things missing. There is still a lot of information, a lot of data missing. What are these gaps, Irina, James, maybe we can reflect a little bit on that. If I may, I think the first gap that we identified, and it's to an extent easy to explain why we have this gap. But we are looking now for more research on this. It's the attention to the long-term impact of COVID-19 on young people and on the youth sector. On young people, because we had a, a year where the life of all young people and all of people for that matter actually changed. And we started to interact differently. And for young people development, how they interact with the others, it's extremely important for the future. The long-term impact of COVID-19 pandemic and how the new normal it's appearing, it's something that we need to continue to research. And this is also applicable to the youth sector because the youth sector actually learned to use more digital youth work and digital tools. And it's interesting to see how going beyond the pandemic, some of the things will be kept and integrated in the larger pool of methods of youth work. I, I think just in general and from my own experience of doing surveys and, and so forth, when you're in the middle of the storm, <laughs> it's very hard to, to, to find land somewhere. And what, what's significant about the pandemic is that, that initially when we did the first survey, which was in autumn of last year, we looked specifically at the initial lockdown and it was to try and get some assessment of how the initial shock was. We did a second survey then in the beginning of this year, and that was to look at the, the full year long impact of the pandemic. Because what had happened by then and what we, we couldn't have known was why there had been some easing of lockdown in, across Europe in the late summer and autumn of last year. By the winter, most countries were back into a lockdown. And it's only now, hopefully, with the vaccination program that we may be emerging from the pandemic itself. Though there's still a bit of a question mark, I think, over what happens this winter. That's going to be the real test, I think. From our own research on the surveys and so forth, there is, a, I think, a lot of people feel we're too close to the storm, really, to get a clear picture of what it's like. So therefore, trying to do research now is going to face a lot of handicaps. Having said that, some countries have undertaken a fair amount of research already. So I think that there's a kind of a half and half situation at the moment. But I think certainly going forward, there, there are two areas in particular which are going to be very important in, in, in terms of research, uh, but they, they pose particular problems. I mean, one of the big issues that's emerged from the pandemic, and it's no great surprise, was this issue of mental health of young people and the stress and the anxiety they've gone through over the past two years. Now, 
somebody might make the not unreasonable argument that this is a temporary blip, so to speak. And that once the cause of stress and strain is removed, which is the pandemic, then you won't have such stress and strain in young people anymore. But I think what the pandemic has highlighted, that it's highlighted this issue of mental health and well-being among young people, which has always been an issue, but which perhaps hasn't got the kind of focus that is required. On the digital front, we have a unique opportunity now that we won't, I think, have again. Because as Arena was saying, during the pandemic, because of social distancing and indeed social isolation, and the only thing that was available for communication, for information, for youth work was true digital means. Now, up until then, digitalization had been a feature of the youth sector. But during the pandemic, it became the only show in town. So I think that going forward, we need to use this window when digitalization was the only form of youth work, youth service, youth information, and examined it much more closely to try and learn how well prepared was the sector for digitalization. Did they have the capacity? Did they have the training? And how did they use this? Did they open up new ways of doing youth work and so on? So I think that's going to be a particular area for research going forward. Thank you. If I may add two things, and uh, I would say I can be responsible for optimism in this podcast. Um, the things that we noticed being done by the youth sector and young people, sometimes organizing by themselves during the pandemic, are going in different directions, but two are the main ones that we, we observe. The first one, it's intergenerational solidarity. And I think that we can go uh, into looking more in depth into uh, this thematic and encouraging more youth sector to uh, work on this, taking into account how the impact of COVID was generally impacting the, the societies. And the second one, bigger attention to how information is delivered to young people, because misinformation and fake news have been an important feature of the pandemic. Then youth organizations and youth workers and groups Groups of young people organizing themselves to provide information and to ensure correct true flow of information between authorities and trustable sources of information towards the young people. This is also something that happened and can be uh, used as good practices to share and case studies for research to see how it can be developed. And just to follow on uh, both Irina's and uh, Jim's arguments, um, I think we have seen through this research that during the pandemic, youth sector and young people have proven to be adaptable, resilient, flexible, innovative. But also we have seen that in order to continue to do so, uh, youth sector still needs to be supported by the policy. And we have seen... Uh, that there are areas which particularly need support. Young people's mental health and well-being has been impacted. The research clearly shows that. And we are doing more investigation in this through the survey to equip and pair, but also through additional desk research. But we have also seen that young people's social rights have been impacted, not only through the fact that young people have been particularly affected when it comes to employment, 
but this has also had an effect then on young people's housing, for example, and ability to be independent and to, to transition to autonomous living. Digitalization has certainly helped youth sector to thrive during this time to be able to conduct the activities. But this is also something that we are seeing that youth work, as uh, Irina said, has been quite used to conducting activities in certain ways. And while there has been innovation and adaptation, there are still things that we clearly know can't be done online and uh, that we still are very much in need of face-to-face -face activities to be able to really conduct our work. In terms of the gaps, as uh, Jim mentioned, there's still more to be seen, particularly in terms of long-term effects. I think when it comes to mental health, we also have the issue of PTSD that will be coming up after the pandemic uh, that is still too early to research at this stage. Thank you, Nana, for this. Yes, uh, youth work adapted, was resilient and flexible. In many instances, youth policy was not, which is also coming from the research. The response came quite late sometimes. Or it never happened, actually, in case of small organizations that were not actually able to function. And also when we look at the European youth strategies, uh, which we have discussed in the last episode, uh, they also were created in the pre-COVID times. So they also don't include a lot of aspects, though there is a very strong response from the European Youth Work Convention that actually highlighted all these issues that came about in, in the times of COVID. Okay, I understand that it's still important to have this knowledge hub and it's still developing. As you said, there is a lot of gaps, hopefully going to be filled in the next year. And there is a new questionnaire that was already sent to EKIP and PAIR members. If we can talk about it a little bit now, how does it differ from the previous surveys? Uh, what is its focus and when we can expect the results or maybe even get a little bit of taste of the results because I know that they are collected but not analyzed yet. James, if I can ask you to, to talk about it a bit. Thank you. Yes, I've been involved in the th three surveys that have been conducted today. The first one was done in the autumn of last year, and its purpose really was to try and grasp the initial impact, particularly the lockdown. The initial lockdown, which went from mid-March to, shall we say, late June across Europe. Uh, we then did a second survey earlier this year, which uh, looked at the, the full year-long impact of, of, of the actual pandemic. Now, both of these surveys were broadly similar in approach um, because they were trying to look at the, the, the impact, not just the impact of the pandemic, but also the response to it. And in general, they focused in on a number of key areas. First of all, there was the issue of communication. How were you know, young people communicated with during the pandemic itself? We then looked at how, what the impact was on on, on the lives of young people and how they responded, how it impacted on youth workers and so forth. Then we looked at the role of the state, however that manifests itself, whether it's at a, a national level or regional level, global level, but how did the public respond to the impact of the pandemic? And we also then looked at how the voluntary sector responded to the pandemic. And, and the impact that it had on NGOs and so forth. The second survey more or less reflected what we learned from the first survey. There were a number, I think, of important issues that came out of that. And 
Some of those had to do with the whole issue of communication and how the communication was handled during the pandemic, but also what the communication or lack of communication actually revealed. The other thing that came out of that, I think, was that the pandemic tended to exacerbate problems and issues that we've known about for a long time. And one of the most striking things that emerged from it was that those countries which have well-established or, or, and well-supported youth sector, where the state, for instance, at a whatever level, national, regional, supports young people, youth organizations, invests, has coherent policies and so forth. Those countries, they experienced difficulties, but by and large, they, they survived, so to speak. What was not the case or was much less the case were those areas and those countries in Europe, which are largely reliant on NGOs and on project funding. These are the countries and the organizations that were really it. Now, the, the problem, I think, was not so much that there were cuts in allocations, cuts in funding per se, because by the time the pandemic had impacted in March last year, most funding tends to be allocated anyway. The problem was not, uh, shall we say, at the supply end, is it was at the demand end. People had difficulty in expending money, and, this, and that made projects and NGOs particularly vulnerable because they could either get money or if they got money, they couldn't use it because project funding, it tends to be focused. So I think that was, there were two big issues which came out of it. The other issues that emerged were the issue of mental health, which I've mentioned before, and also the issue of digitalization. Now, the most recent survey, which we did during the autumn, and we've only begun to analyze it, we focused really on three areas, so to speak. First of all, was the impact of the of mental health and the problems around that. And the other one was on, on digitalization, to try and explore more how digitalization operated function during the pandemic. And we also have a section which really is looking forward. And it addresses the issue of the recovery plan, which again has significant policy implications. How is this recovery money going to be expended? To what extent will the youth sector actually get some of this money? And when it gets the money, what is it going to do? So in a sense, this final survey will, will look back at the two previous surveys, try and highlight the big issues that emerged, and also look forward as to how some of these issues might be addressed in terms of policy development in the future. So as Jib said, the survey that we did now focuses on specific themes and topics and uh, also the briefings that we did uh, recently, especially the last three, are also focused on impact uh, of uh, COVID either in specific areas or on specific groups of young people. This is the direction that we will be taking in our following briefings and research on the impact of COVID. So, for example, our latest briefing looks at the impact of the pandemic on the need, so young people that are not in employment, education or training in rural areas. So we are really looking at some very specific cases uh, where the impact of pandemic might have been greater than on the overall or average population of young people. We'll also be exploring the impact of the pandemic in the two regions that are of the interest of, of the partnership. And this research is now ongoing because we have seen that perhaps the data might not be there or it is collected differently 
differently. And as Jim also mentioned, the policy responses in different countries were quite different. And we'll also be looking at the impact of the pandemic on the access to youth services. So there is more coming. Stay tuned uh, to the Hub and uh, we look forward to sharing the findings with the youth sector. Thank you, Irina, and thank you, James, and thank you, Lana, for telling us what's coming next uh, in the Hub. There is already, as I said, a lot of material and also a lot of topics that we have mentioned here, like such as homelessness of young people. There is a lot of material on social inclusion of young people, which we also tackled in some of the episodes of our podcast. So please go to the Hub and use it uh, because it's there actually to support uh, youth work, youth policy and young people in the end. Thank you and goodbye.